Hello and welcome to New Tricks, the weekly podcast from New Dog PR. I'm Emily Newman. And I'm Catherine Doggall. This podcast is a chance to mull over the current goings on in hotel land, chat to some pleasant folk about things they know and provide some interest for your ears. We've brought our journalism and communication experience together with our sector knowledge and contacts to create a strategic PR company which understands investing in hotels and the many roles within them. In this week's episode, we talk leadership with Chris Mumford, founder of Service Leadership Consulting. Has the pandemic refocused us from the endless pursuit of quarterly targets and reporting to becoming more human, showing vulnerability and shunting employee well-being up the caring meter? We also discuss how hotels are a handy deterrent to the counter-globalisation culture and how the sector is in need of a kick-ass campaign to showcase its greatness. Finally, our thoughts turn to scones as M&S Paris' latest offer is clotted cream. Cream, then jam, or jam, then cream? Hello and welcome to episode 12, 12 of New Tricks, the weekly podcast. So 12 weeks of the weekly podcast from New Dog PR. As we celebrate our pandemic anniversary, um, we are delighted to be joined by Chris Mumford, founder, Service Leadership Consulting and Catherine from Paris. Chris, Catherine, how are you? Splendid, Emily. How are you? Very good. Oh, riotous. Thank you. Super. Really good. (laughs) We are having a ball here in Bristol. Um, I was going to say at this point that we can't condone violence in any form. No, no, definitely not. Nor should we probably start unravelling this right now on a hotel investment podcast i'm not quite sure this is that's that's the right platform we've got more important things to talk about not that riots aren't important we'll just stop we'll just stop talking about riots chris how are you in the making of this riot i sincerely hope so how are you chris i'm good thank you i'm in a very peaceful by comparison london and uh, the sun is shining and spring is here and um (laughs) everyone's got a spring in their step right have Have i booked my what have you have you booked pub garden i haven't booked a pub garden yet um but will be forthcoming looking forward to that day oh imagine not long now three weeks uh yes that sounds about right bring it on bring it on um and catherine we must always as always it seems to become a ritual now just check in on you on the new dog and also what you're eating these days so um, I'm well, thank you very much. The new dog is eating um, a blanket eyeball back from Iceland. I see Iceland's in the news again this week from being quite explodey, like it is often. Um, although this time there aren't any planes to get in the way of it. So that's worked out quite well for the people of Iceland because everyone was really pissed off at them last time. Um, and the people of Iceland actually have also become one of the first countries to say that you can visit there if you've had both vaccines. I was going to say, the planes will be flying. So they will be flying towards that's unfortunate, but it is slightly hotter than normal at the moment. Um, but I did, see, I did see there was, because um, it's quite near um, Keflavik, isn't it? And this uh, exploded part. And um, they did say that you can, they haven't banned flights. They've been saying to the individual airlines, you can still land and take off and whatnot. It's up to you, you choose. So, <laughs> so if you feel that's been... Takes your chances. Exactly. It's your choice, you know, they're like liberal, liberal country, whatever, you know, you fall into a big steaming pit as your lookout. We trust that you're, you know, can ride those updrafts. So, um, so yeah, off to Iceland, we all don't go. I do worry, though, at this point in the game, everyone is so desperate for holiday that that potential peril may, may sound quite appealing. Yeah, what's the odd volcano here and exactly. now? Exactly, I haven't been out of the house exactly. for four months. I mean, let's keep I'll some perspective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> volcano. 
huge lumps of molten rock shooting everywhere. <laughs> Mini break us up. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so yes, and as for eating, um, here at M&S Paris, we have now clotted cream from Cornwall. So uh, the Cornish have broken through the Brexit barrier. We knew they would. Uh, Valiant types, they don't get held, held back by the rest of the country. No, not them. So all the area where you would expect to find organic milk in its many forms, sour cream, etc., is just clotted cream from Cornwall. It's Hello, great. arteries. This is like a subtle way to finish off the French. But... <laughs> <laughs> but, slowly clogging their arteries yeah. exactly. if, we, if, you, if you can't stop exporting your AstraZeneca vaccine then we're going to export only clotted cream from now on so see see Ursula <laughs> fun times well I'm glad you've got some sort of something to eat of some kind there's still plenty of hummus oh brilliant <laughs> <laughs> trying to think what can you do with clotted cream and hummus <laughs> thoughts <laughs> on a postcard please Exactly. It's, yeah. not, it's not good for your teeth, at the very Fire least. Fire Iceland. <laughs> um, Chris, thank you for joining us. And um, whilst we have your podcast ear um, for a while, it makes sense. We'd love to have a little chat about um, leadership and all its many forms. Over the last 12 months, we have observed um, varying degrees of leadership styles from... Um, I mean, I was, there was something I was reading the other day that um, uh, about surveillance being set up, home surveillance kits being set up so that um, leaders, organisations could monitor what, what their, their good folk are doing on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-by-minute basis, which sounds deeply reassuring. So we've had that, we've had, go on. It's funny you should say that because um, years and years and years and years ago when I used to write for a technology magazine, um, I borrowed loads of spy equipment from this place that used to be near Selfridges. I'm not sure if it's there anymore. Uh, if you went down to the basement, you could buy personal submarines um, and they used to sell a lot of things to the Middle East. Um, so there were sort of personal submarines and various types of kind of surveillance equipment and, and light weaponry. Um, and also because it was uh, Middle East focused, there are little hats that you put on on hawks when you go hawking. Um, so you could pop in there for all your hawking slash surveillance needs, like a one-stop ah, shop. Um, one assumes that's were... probably be now been, there's probably nothing left in there now. That people, I think I did go past it recently. I think it's only online now. It's the way oh, these things are. Okay. The high street yeah. has been ruined for surveillance <laughs> and falconry. It really Sadly. has. <laughs> I blame Starbucks. Um, but uh, they, they had... Um, the biggest selling item that they had was not the hats for your um, hunting birds. It was um, a very anonymous looking office wall clock, um, just a you know, black and white office wall clock. It goes on the wall and uh, had cameras in it so you could watch your staff cheerfully. This was kind of just as the internet was coming into its own. So before you were reading everyone's emails and getting your kicks that way, um, you could watch your staff through the wall. So surveillance clocks, daily panic hour mm. calls. Um, we've had, we've sort of seen everything, haven't we? From 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 one extreme to the other. Um, what's your view on sort of how leadership's changed over this these last twelve months in the pandemic? Yeah, well, thanks. I mean, thanks for letting me be here first of all, because I'm a regular listener uh, <laughs> to your show, and uh, nice to be here on the to mark the dirty dozen. I guess it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, leadership. I don't think. I think it's heightened focus on elements of leadership. I mean, the principles of leadership per se, I don't think have changed. Um, and I would argue that if you're <laughs> if you're sticking a surveillance clock in your employee's house somewhere, that is uh, kind of micro control management and not really the definition of good leadership. 
Um, and I'm sure many leaders wouldn't want to have that done to themselves. So, um, but I think, yeah, the focus has been more on, I mean, our leaders have become more human, haven't they? Don't you think? I mean, everyone's kind of chilled a little bit and, and become this need to be superhuman has kind of, you know, receded a little bit. I think you know, a lot of leaders got caught up in, oh, I must be, you know, hitting 100% on every metric all the time. Otherwise, I'm failing miserably. And, and in some ways, that made them a little bit automated and robotic. And they weren't as visible. And ironically, you know, in this time where you actually haven't been able to be around your people, but you're doing it through a screen, you've mm-hmm. actually become more visible in a lot of ways. Um, and so I think, you know, the the core tenets of leadership communication, right? I mean, the, the emphasis now on communicating with your people who may be spread around the place, they're you know, going through a lot of different things, the need for empathy, you know, has come through strongly, authenticity, um, delivering an inspiring message and hope, but grounded in kind of an authentic message rather than just giving vacuous empty words. So, you know, and I, I think um, certainly the technology and the fact that, you know, we're looking into people's homes and you can see a leader with, you know, pictures of their kids or their dog or whatever on the mantelpiece behind them. I think that those little things have really helped engagement. Um, and obviously we've seen, you know, standout examples of how to communicate authentically, like, you know, Arnie, bless him with his video at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. Uh, mm. And some of Sebastian Bazan's stuff. I mean, I think this has, you know, we, we didn't see any of that really before to that degree on such a scale. And so I think, um, yeah, it's kind of humanized a lot of these the people at the top of these organizations. Um, and do you think it's here to stay? Their teams. <laughs> I think it's here to stay. Well, they say humans. I think, uh, I think a lot of it will. I think, um, you know, and I think employees are going to, get used to this accessibility um and you know appreciate the empathy and you look at all the all the research done on you know the gen z's and the new generations coming through they demand it they and they, they want it in terms of how they're treated and handled so yeah i do think a lot of it will stay um you know it's not easy to balance and juggle everything as a leader when you've got you know 101 million things to do but you also want to be making sure you're scheduling in that hour kind of zoom drop-in into your diary every week so your team can feel free to reach out and discuss, you know, it takes careful thought and um, energy and, and kind of proactive, you know, thought about it. But it's, I do think, you know, I think leaders are going to be increasingly assessed on their, their communication, uh, on their employee engagement scores uh, more than perhaps they were uh, previously. Absolutely. And we know, as you touched on, we know that future generations are not, not even future generations, the sort of the next wave of um, employees that will value things like that so much more than a, a big pay wedge. Um, just thinking about the the sort of trends in roles um, that are coming up, are there, I don't know whether, whether we've almost already answered this, but um, what type of um, characteristics, personality traits are people looking for when they're recruiting at the moment? Well, I think um, there's a few things, one of which perhaps is another answer to your first question. You know, the focus has been, in terms of where leadership has changed, it's, it's on the here and now. You know, this this leadership was thinking, oh, five-year plan, we're working against this, this, and this. It's kind of all got thrown out the window. Um, and so, you know, when people are hiring now, they're going to be looking for leaders who have got that mental agility, the ability to think on their feet a little bit, um, you know, get 
it's it's maintaining long-term focus whilst also really being focused on what's happening here and now in front of us but also being able to you know change at the drop of a hat if if things go wrong uh and change direction i hate this word pivot because it's just become so cliche during the pandemic but it it's true you know you've got to kind of be able to, be able to shift gear and direction quickly so um in terms of i don't sure if there's specific roles in this a trending i mean there's you know there's all sorts of roles being hired you know i mean sales and revenue management got cut heavily that will all start a lot of that will come back over time as we get closer to recovery once they have something to sell again and to revenue manage again um you know but there's obviously focus on asset management operations but you know similarly i've been working on development searches um you know gms for new opening properties uh we're seeing boards look at their management i mean i'm just completing a ceo search for a business where ownership you know felt this was the time to make a change um and rather perhaps do this now and and destabilize things versus maybe two years from now make that change when things are kind of on the upward swing so you know and i think shareholders and boards are going to be looking at their management teams and saying you know is this team that we had going into crisis are they the right team to take us out have they got that agility have they got the resilience have they frankly have they got the energy i mean everyone's knackered i mean the 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 level of fatigue (laughs) right i mean it's it's wearing it's really wearing and tiring on people and there's you know the talk of burnout i mean is very you know grounded in realities of what's going on out there you're you're having people who are doing mm. you know 150 percent of the workload they used to do because of the organization cuts and you know they're just getting fried um so will they have the energy to really you know capitalize on the upswing once that starts kicking in so a lot to be thinking about it's it's that the description that you have of the of the the leader of tomorrow or the leader of, of now, but tomorrow as well. Um, that's lots of things. I don't have. I'm a terrible leader anyway, so we'll move on from that. <laughs> but, um, but away from my terrible leadership skills, I only have as a sort of personality traits probably half of the number of those things. Um, do you think you're more likely to see kind of less? a CEO at the top of the pyramid and more of a team approach in the future? Or are there these kind of super people out there? Or can you build them? I don't think you can necessarily build them. Um, I, I think you'll, I think you still need a CEO at the top of the business. That CEO needs to surround themselves with the right people um, to take on a lot of, a lot of that. Um, and bringing in the various areas of technical you know, expertise to their business. So, but it's yeah, it depends what your your function is. But I do think you know if you're a leader, an increasing chunk of your time is going to need to be spent on you know looking after your people. Um, whereas ordinarily, you know, maybe that was ten percent in the past. Now it's thirty, forty percent of your week is spent really looking after your people, and maybe that means you know the other stuff has to get done in some other form or you know pushing more out. Or the expectation is that not so much gets done. You know, maybe it's this. What? Yeah, maybe maybe there's going to be a readjustment. I think in um, I was reading something about this. I think it was in the FT recently. This, you know, maybe we've just been expecting too much um, mm. of people. Now there's all sorts of you know arguments for that. You know, we're a progressive society, and everybody every year we've got to be outperforming last year. You know that mentality, and, and let alone quarterly stock price. You know, earnings have got to be made, and so there's that continual push and so forth. But you know, maybe there's an adjustment there that. Um, you know, if we're going to take the health and well-being of of everybody into account, maybe some of those things aren't as achievable. 
we've been so focused on so focused on output haven't we in quarterly the 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 quarterly reviews the quarterly goals um and there's no um i've been reading the latest simon sinek book the infinite game there's no kind of you don't win at business do you there's no goal you don't you don't get to a point where you've you've won it's it's it is infinite and perhaps if we adopted more of an infinite view um of business of employee wealth well-being of engagement all this stuff that's become so important turns out when there's a, a pandemic people start thinking about you know, the health and well-being of, of the people who are doing the doing. So perhaps a kind of a readjustment of mindset may not be such a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I think this, particularly on the public markets, you know, the push towards it is quarter by quarter. And you look at the hotel sector and, it, you know, it's, got, it's all about room inventory growth. And really, you know, if you take, if you step back a moment and take a longer term perspective, is that the right thing for the overall health of the business, not just the people in it, but the health of the business as well and the brands and what they're offering is. And if you're constantly just focused on, okay, we've got to sign up, you know, this hotel, this hotel, this hotel, you know, more and more rooms into the system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to satisfy the stock market. You know, at some point, I wonder if that elastic band risks snapping. Do you have a golden nugget of advice for leaders? If you could give them, we've talked about lots of different characters uh, characteristics that are required um if, if you had if you could give one gem in part one gem what would it be uh, i don't know if i could just do one um <laughs> i would well tie back to what we were saying at the beginning i would say um you know don't be afraid Dig. to show some vulnerability <laughs> um i mean i would reference some of the work by brene brown i mean i think you know, if you could show some, a little bit of vulnerability in the right way is, you know, can be hugely empowering and, and engaging. Um, and again, moving away from this, everyone needs to be Superman to being more human, I actually think can generate higher levels of leadership engagement. Um, I would, so this is my number two, so I'm cheating. Uh, number two would be surround yourself with some good people, advisors, counsel, you know, friends, family, but have a network that supports you that you can go talk to you know, no man is an island. You can't do this by yourself. Uh, so again, don't be afraid of seeking, you know, advice and support from, you know, some well-trusted people around you. Um, and then I would say over-communicate versus under-communicate. And I would say scenario plan like hell, because if this is taught as anything, <laughs> you know, you probably always need to have 12 scenarios in your back pocket. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And your ability to, you know, have worked out already mapped out at least some to some degree what you would do if big fans of Brené Brown and big fans of communicating so that works for us thank yep. you and um, we are we've talked about this on a couple of other um episodes but we're seeing now a a, a wave of of recruitment posts um linkedin is awash people are um the great hiring boom of 2021 seems to be in full swing um I guess sort of tying the bits and pieces that we've talked about already together, um, what uh, attributes should recruiters be looking for? Or and, and and I guess to the same question, you know, what what kind of things do candidates really need to showcase um, during this hiring boom? Um, well, I think again, in, in terms of you know, leadership roles, I think it's being able to demonstrate this agility and adaptability, um, this flexibility of thought. Um, you know, not being too black and white, but being able to operate in the gray zone. Um, and if you look at good leaders, they typically demonstrate this, that 
you know, they're quite comfortable in that gray zone of when things are a bit uncertain and, you know, uncertainty kind of rules our lives these days. So I think, I think being able to demonstrate an ability to live in that space um, and then to, to kind of push innovation and to be able to think, you know, creatively about, you know, what's next, even if it's not all going to work, but just to keep kind of pushing the envelope a little bit. Um, more practically, I think being able to demonstrate, you know, how in the past um, you've been able to maybe do more with less, because I think we're going to end up doing more with less as a result of this. And okay, this leveraging of technology and so forth, but, you know, we're going to have fewer people, um, you know, and I'm talking now at kind of unit operating level, there's not going to be as many people around. You're going to multi, you're going to have more multi-skilling and multitasking of your employee workforce, and you're going to have to be doing, delivering the same experience and the same results with, but with fewer resources. Um, so I think an ability to, to better show how you do that. And then, um, yeah, being able to, I think, demonstrate the hard times you've been through, that resilience factor, you know, of, uh, you know, you could, this won't be the last, right? Um, you know, we'll, we'll have other pandemics in different forms in the future. So, you know, showing an ability to better ride the waves is, uh, is pretty key. Catherine, anything else from you other than clotted cream? <laughs> no, I was thinking, as always, clotted cream. I was, I was thinking deep, deep thoughts about scones and how easy they are to make. Um, but should you have raisins in them? Should you? Where does the butter Ooh. go? And then the order of cheese. it all, of course. Cheese scones? Cheese scones? Cheese Cheese yes, scones. but I don't know. It's the the opportunity cost of cheese scones is I know is too high, isn't it? So yes, it's the cheese. Yes, but think of all the other things in the world you could eat that wasn't a cheese scone. Mm. So I agree. <laughs> yes, if if you go somewhere and there's a buffet and there's only cheese scones, then fine, happy to eat them. <laughs> but otherwise, no. And where does the clotted cream go? No one knows. Um, but you can't use it as butter, though. It's just peculiar. Um, so, no, I was having relevant thoughts, but they were, it was about clotted cream because it was about Brexit. Um, and um, this, obviously, in here in Europe land, uh, it's not such an issue with staffing because all of the staffing uh, in this country getting 90% of their wages paid for by the state um, forever, as far as we can tell. Um, and, uh, and that's fine. The French don't have a problem with public debt, so it's not an issue. But... Um, <clears throat> In the UK, of course, lots of the lots of things have been hidden under the pandemic, um, which all I'm afraid will, will be coming out in the wash at some point. And one of them, of course, is the impact of Brexit. Um, the FT ran a big story a little while back about how everyone has has gone uh, home, and you can say home; it's not racist to say it. Uh, they have gone home, and they will not be working in your hotel again. So that's fine. Pretty Patel doesn't want them to. So that's her lookout. And if she wants to work in the local hotel makeup numbers, um, she's welcome to, no doubt. But are you seeing anyone, obviously at the moment it's very difficult to address these issues because you can't hire into a into a closed hotel. Um, but have you seen anyone taking any positive, I think PPHE hoarded a lot of wine, didn't they, before this? In um, Brexit preparations. Just, just, yes, just, just like a, a lot of Italian and French wine. Um, they have that's their set that's solid but um uh, but they also have done been doing things with um, staff training and staff accommodation and things along those lines to encourage people to live in central london who may otherwise have been less appealed but have you been hearing anything about their fallout of brexit land no i think it is a bit of a masked problem to your point catherine i mean it's like you know, is it going to wake up and bite us in the backside at some point you know as, as we get busy again um you know, but I mean, on the one side, again, we won't need so many people. So that's 
QFA, <laughs> I guess, a positive. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, I mean, there's no question in particularly markets like London, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be, you're going to have to look elsewhere to find the people and no one has the answer for that. No one knows where they're coming from. There still seems to be the, the average regular Brit has no intent on, you know, serving coffee or making beds. Um, and, you know, we kind of shut off the tap to, to being able to bring people in. And, you know, even if you want to go through the hassle of getting a visa and so on, there's a minimum threshold of salary and so on, which, you know, most roles fall underneath. Um, mm. So, you know, I mean, if you look at what was happening right before COVID, we started hiring more people from non-EU countries. So it's still, you know, we're looking further afield, right, to replace those people. So you know, yeah. subcontinent, Asia, wherever, Um so maybe they'll maybe that's the direction it goes in more and more of those people. But uh, yeah, it is it is going to be challenging, um, and I'm not I haven't met anyone who's got the right answer for it or an answer. Well, it looks like we'll be coding for a little while anyway, so there's no it's <laughs> no huge pressure to no suddenly get Yeah, but to your point, I I saw. I mean, I think there was a resort somewhere in the UK that was, is looking to hire 300 people right now because they're preparing for reopening, and you're like. Yeah, holy moly, 300 people you've got to go find, probably because you let everybody go, mm. I guess, during the pandemic last year. Yeah, that's um, that's no tall order. And then, of course, you know, the industry's long-standing issue, you've got to retain them. You've got to, you've got to then keep hold of them. I mean, to go through, you know, hiring 300. Mm. I mean, most hotels in London were essentially having to hire one person every single day of the year to just to keep their, their employee base level pre-COVID, right? That, back in good, good times. I mean, that's the, that's the volume and rate at which you're hiring. You have to hire a person a day just to keep standing still in terms of um, your employee base. Jeeping crumbs. What are they doing to people in these hotels that they're, <laughs> they're, that they're leaving so much? And, and you know, and I speak as a former chambermaid, so. That is not Indeed, good, yeah. What, what are they doing? It's so, it's obviously so horrific. Um, <laughs> it just sounds, it sounds shocking. I mean, you see some things, but, you know, see some things, but you can, you know, there's tiny bottles of shampoo to compensate. <laughs> yeah, it's a highly um, transient workforce at, at that, you know, that line level front, you know, guest facing, which is ironic, right? It's the people who are actually facing the customers. They're, they're typically the ones that they're gone six months to the next. And then uh, even in the behind the scenes in the, in the kitchen, you know, most chefs move kind of every three to six months. Mm trying to get the next name on their resume and you know, spool on upwards. I mean, it's, it's a merry-go-round. I guess we can, we can only hope that initiatives like the Hotelier's Charter, um, and, it, and let's face it, the pandemic as a whole, um, and the Seat at the Table campaign, and, and all the profile raising that has occurred as a result of this torrid time, um, will have gone some way to help raise the, the profile, uh, not only the profile, but also the image of the sector as a credible place to work, as a fun, exciting, dynamic, all those good things. Um, and it's, uh, you know, and it, and it raises it and it's for the good. But you know what? It's not, um, it's not, this, this issue is not particular to any, any one country. Mm. I mean, I, I work all over the world and every single market for the last 20 plus years I've been in this business, you know, this is a perennial complaint. Where are we going to find the people? And somehow we managed to still open hotels and still operate, and we get through somehow. But it's you know, as I say, it doesn't. It's every single place I go has the same issue. It's, so it's not a you know, you can't just bash the Brits on it. It's it's you know, it's the same issue everywhere. Unfortunately, it's, it's an industry wide problem. Mm. 
Right, we'll fix it. <laughs> Tune okay. in next week, folks, yes. for the solution. As we um, as we draw this episode to a close, um, Chris, we'd like your views on the set of questions that we've been asking all of our other guests. So if you wouldn't mind, I shall kick off with, when the shutters are up and I've had the jabs in my arm, the first thing I'm going to do is... When I've had the jab in my arm, the first thing I'll do is worry about all the side effects I could potentially <laughs> display in the next 24 hours. Um, now, now, don't listen to that, that's Mr. Macron. <laughs> yeah. So, no, once things are back, I assume you kind of mean once things are back open and we're kind of, you know, back out of our homes. Um, so I will, uh, I can't wait to take my wife out to dinner at a restaurant. That would be nice. Mm. And then I'm really looking forward to getting back out in front of my clients and breaking bread with my clients, wherever they may be. You know, whether it's Singapore, Dubai, Paris, etc. So bring on those days of um, you know, actually sitting down face to face and having a meal with a with someone in business. I think that's real how people. That's exactly that's very promising. Saying people. that the first thing you would do is take your wife out because pretty much everyone else we've asked is like, I would just go away to yeah. a dark place. <laughs> 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 no, but no, note, I, I did not mention the kids. Huh? That's, yeah, well, uh... that's, that's different. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you definitely win on that front. Well done. Um, the best thing about the hotel sector is? Yeah, I think for me, it's, I don't know the right term for it, but it's the, the global village nature and the, it's the multiculturalism of our industry. It brings people together and it it could be even within a country. You have someone from you know, one part of the country staying in a hotel in another part of the country, or you've got, you know, you're in a city, you're in Berlin and you're at the Intercon and you're standing next to people, 15 different nationalities. I think it's that melting pot nature. And it's, you know, right now we seem to be going through this kind of counter globalization kind of thing in the world. And I think the hotel sector is one of the best deterrents of that. Um, you know, the ability to you know, break down barriers, cultures to come together, mingle in one place, bring people together. Um, I think it's just fantastic. Yes, I, I do that's, worry that's about I, That's the, why I love it. I agree. I do worry about the current constant travel banning and travel restrictions and what that's kind of running on the same side as the increase in nationalism. It's not a promising combination. Yeah, but then you see as soon as it opens back up, like last summer, people just want to go again. And mm. I, I think our intrinsic nature is we want to go do that. And I, so... I, it will all still happen. What the industry needs now is? What the industry needs now is flights. <laughs> Planes to start moving around and bringing people I remember those. In. Um, <laughs> so there's that. But no, I think actually, on a just going back to our point just now, I think on a broader basis, the industry needs a really kick-ass advertising campaign. And if you think of... Again, particularly for those line-level roles, if you think who you're competing against, you're competing against NHS, you're competing against the armed forces, and you look at what's that Royal Navy, is it the Royal Navy ad campaign, you know, born in Liverpool, made in the Royal Navy or whatever? Why don't we have, you know, born in Cornwall, made in, you know, hospitality sector or whatever? But we need something to showcase how amazing this industry is, and we do a lousy job, really poor job, I think. Everyone, you know... I don't know what the general public, how they relate to the hospitality sector, but it isn't in an attractive way. And I think, you know, it'd be fantastic if there's a way to go out, promote it more. Yeah, let's get a Netflix series going, you know, something, right, to, to show, you know, and what the times they have done at these fly on the wall kind of documentaries of, you know, five-star hotels, it never really kind of lands in the right way. Um, so, yeah, calling on all uh, creatives out there to think of clever ways to 
you know, take hospitality into the mainstream media and promote it because, yeah, the image does need um, some, you know, some uh, polishing. It really does. Um, I don't know, El Dorado was great, if you remember that. <laughs> El Dorado? Are you ready for El Dorado? <laughs> no? Just me. Just you. <laughs> oh, where did that, where, want, where are they now? But quite. <laughs> well, and Benidorm, which is, you know, did you ever watch that? Benidorm is... No. The follow up to oh well no. follow up to El Dorado, sort of doing for travel what Howard's Way did for the sale of uh, <laughs> <laughs> high speed high speed motorboats. Um, and the final question, Chris. So this is a question, not a statement, as Jamie pointed out, queried last week. I'd like to think we've learnt from this. Um, I'd like to think we've learnt that nothing is certain. Um, things can change quite quickly. <laughs> in some pretty uh, disastrous ways. Um, but I would also like to think that we've, we've really recognised how strong, A, the community is of hospitality and B, the fundamentals of the hospitality business are so strong. You know, you just look at the amount of investment looking at going into the space, look at people's appetite to travel and go places again. You know, there's no question that it's really reaffirmed just how, you know, what a strong business case hospitality has as a whole. Um, and so, you know, I'm really bullish about the future. I think it's going to be awesome. It really is. It's true. I'm going to travel and nuts off myself. Ah, <laughs> oh, travel. Let's See, do that. Once, you, once you've there's finished the cutting cream and M&S, you've got to go somewhere else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> travel the nuts off yourself. Yeah, I think, I think that could work as a tagline. I think so. I think so. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to hear hear your you. hear your insights, hear your um, thoughts and tips and views on leadership. All good stuff. And Catherine, Pleasure. thanks for having me. Thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you for the update. Delighted to hear you've got some sort of sustenance, even if it is not mm. chewable. Still, I feel like I need to chew something. This is all hummus. Mm. I think creams. that's why the French not have good. the bread, isn't it? So the hummus and the cream can go with the bread, which is very chewy. Yes, yes. And, and good to see you and good to see that you have not been participating in legal acts. No, never, 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 never. Always here. Thank you so much. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.